You're listening to the Jay's Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro. And on tonight's show, yet again, a phenomenal roundtable of brilliant baseball minds, some who, who will be with us for the next little while to talk about what's happening with the Toronto Blue Jays presently, tomorrow, and the not-too-far-off future. You know, I didn't do the research in advance because I didn't want to create, I didn't want to build a show that had doom and gloom. But looking back, the Blue Jays have been annihilated, blown out, emasculated, eviscerated, whatever adjective you want to put in there on Sundays more often than I'd like to remind you. I think you should look up that stat yourself. And if you do, then ask yourself whether masochism is your thing. Because the fans just simply can't get fan value on what is such an important day when everyone's resting and recovering after a long week and gearing up for the next week. And Joe Biagini, that experiment, I think, is coming to a complete end. He barely lasted two innings, gave up four earned runs, five hits, and absolutely no strikeouts as he struggled to find the zone. The Blue Jays will be hard-pressed to figure out what to do with their pitching next year, knowing that they do have parts that, if healthy again, will provide them with quality innings. But as you'll find out from listening to our roundtable later on the show, there are some questions that need to be answered. Are they all in or are they all out? Will we be privy to rhetoric like we are rebuilding and competing for next year and ultimately face the prospect of more of this maddening baseball, depthless, frustrating, clutchless baseball? So without delay, the best thing to do right now in this commiseration. So let me bring out writer and blogger from Definitely Not Jay's Talk, Eric Rosenheck, a podcaster and the host of South of the Sixth, Adam Corsair, and Chris Henderson, the site expert from Jay's Journal, an all-too-familiar voice, to sit down with me and talk about what the future holds in store for these Toronto Blue Jays. So let's start with looking at this Sunday. It's another typical Sunday in Blue Jaysville. They're getting blown out against a team that they've acquitted themselves reasonably well against. And of course, I'm talking about playing the time-honored role of spoiler. Let's start with you, Eric. What does it mean to be a spoiler? Should fans be taking any solace in the fact that the media keeps talking about how great a spoiler a team this could be for teams like Minnesota and Baltimore's postseason hopes? It's not even worth thinking about. The season's pretty much all but complete. And, um, you know, it is fun when it comes to eliminating teams such as Baltimore. Uh, But, you know, the playing for pride, I think more of a focus should be on the fact that we're probably seeing the last few games played by Jose Batista in a Jays uniform and and the fact that there's some good young players coming up getting some experience like Urania, like Teoscar Hernandez. Um, You know, we could also have a few laughs like uh, what Matt uh, Dermody gave us last night. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've always scoffed at the idea of the spoiler thing. To me, it's like when your mom like invites all your cousins to your birthday party because none of your friends will come. Hey, you know, it's oh, one of those geez. things where it's like, oh, well, let's, let's pretend like they have something good for good to talk about in September when really we're just grasping at straws and waiting for this for this end. I would 100% agree with that. That's, <laughs> that's the perf- perfect uh, description of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when it comes to playing spoiler or when it comes to, you know, uh, trying to ruin other teams postseason hope that's none of that matters to me um right now um we're just uh, like it's been said we're just playing for to figure uh, finish out the rest of the season to see jose bautista probably his last year in a blue jays uniform and to see the young talent that has been called up um but otherwise no i, I don't personally really care about playing spoiler honestly 
Yeah, and I, as I've made that comment, I mean, it is nice to, to you know, to get a look at these guys, the younger guys. And and as much as Batista's been frustrating this season, uh, you know, I will be sad. There'll be a big part of me that's sad to see him go in that tenure day, for sure. And you know what? For most of the casual fans, they've already gone over to the NFL, so they're not even thinking about the spoilers or even the end of the season. That's that's true. And, and but in fairness too, it, it's pretty um, remarkable for how you know disappointing this team has been. That the interest, at least from what I've seen on the Twitter sphere, it's not that that's a wholly reliable source, but it's. <laughs> I mean, the interest still seems sort of there as as it was in the beginning of the season. Um, people are still watching games, even though they know in their heart of hearts that a postseason berth obviously is impossible, and there's really nothing more to play for. But uh, fans are staying loyal, and I think that speaks volumes for the organization. So let me ask you this then, Adam. What will it take for fans who are not loyal, who are not hardcore enthusiasts? I'm talking about the fair weather types who are looking at this season and saying, see, I told you so. They weren't that great to begin with. What will it take to get them to notice this team come April of 2018? I would say uh, some sort of a splash acquisition, but um, I'm I'm not confident that that, anything like that would happen. Um, I I think something that they would latch on to to rejuvenate their hopes would be something like an extension for Josh Donaldson or um, a free agent pitcher um, or a trade, something. It's something to change the makeup and the chemistry of the team. Um, but I'm personally not very confident that anything of the sort would happen next year. And I kind of feel the same way, Adam, but, you know, I also kind of, I believe that the front office, given that they've already announced the raise and ticket prices next year and just seeing that the fan interest has maintained through this rough season, I think they're at a crucial point where if they don't do anything this off season, it gives fans every reason to kind of check out before the year even starts. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a, a group of the fan base that will be there regardless. But uh, I know just as a personally, just as strictly a fan, I'll be very frustrated if they don't do anything and expect the fan interest to continue the way that it has in 2017. I completely agree. I, I also think, though, that I think we've discussed this before. Um, I think what is most likely to happen with the uh, the front office is that they'll do something to sort of make it appear as if, like, hey, we're really going for it, we're really making a shot, when it's kind of just like a mid-tier acquisition. Like, it's going to take, in terms of fan interest, fair weather fan interest, personally, I think it's going to be, it has to be some sort of a splash. But I think what they'll do, and I hate using the term illusion, but they'll, they'll make it like an illusion of some sort of, hey, we're really going for it. That, that's where I feel like what will happen to justify raising ticket prices for justify, you know, hiking of prices. Uh, honestly, uh, unless uh, Russ Atkins can somehow acquire Gene Carlos Stanton and Bryce Harper in the offseason for a couple of, uh, you know, Luke Maley or something, we're not going to see a lot of people, we're not going to see a lot of interest, uh, or at least I'm not expecting a lot of interest, especially in April, especially if the Leafs are doing well, especially if the Raptors are doing well from the uh, casual fans. You know what, it's funny how we kind of, kind of overanalyze a little bit with the attendance, it's just winning. You know what? Don't worry about April. If the team's winning and it's July and August, then the fans are going to come. And that's, that's the most important parts of the season. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers are, attendance numbers are down in April and May. Um, you know, if, if they could put a winner on the field, then it's going to be picked up and we're not going to be worrying about it at all. So, Chris, what would be Roger's excuse 
in a sport where there are, there is no salary cap. I mean, if it is a meritocracy, as Eric so eloquently described just now, and it's just a matter of if you build it, they will come, you're very well aware, as I am, that for many years the policy was the absolute reverse. It was if the fans show up, we'll put the, the kind of team that you could be proud of that will be competitive and spend 150 $170, 160000000 million. Do they have that kind of momentum this year to say to themselves, if we spend the money, we can have another year of trying to get the best attendance in the league by putting together a team that has credibility? You know, I look at the way that they handled this past offseason and, you know, missing on guys like Edwin Encarnacion or Dexter Fowler. You know, that when they when the narrative kind of comes out, it's like, well, we made strong offers. And, you know, that felt like a, something that we heard for years in Toronto. was that, well, we tried. And... And I understand that it's not that easy to convince some players to come to the Canadian markets. You know, I get that. And, and sometimes the American League East can be a bit daunting for maybe the pitching uh, the pitching that's available out there. But uh, that's, to me, always been the excuse that Rogers has ran with, is that, well, we gave it our best shot, but we couldn't, couldn't get them to come. So it's going to be, it's gonna be it's very interesting. I don't see the front office making any significant trades. This offseason, I think they like the depth that they do have in the minor leagues, and they're not, you know, Atkins and Spiro, or Spiro have talked about how they don't want to glut that system again. Um, so I, I see them kind of pursuing some some people in the free agent market, whether that's, you know, bringing back Marco Estrada or somebody like Alex Cobb, who's rumored to be of interest. Um, I certainly would like that one. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they're willing to what they're willing to do and uh, what the market might be like for somebody like even Marco, because there's no guarantee he's even going to come back. It depends on what we offer him. I would agree with that too. And and the frustrating thing about it is that um, we're talking about, when it comes to Marco Estrada, we're talking about someone that's already familiar with the market. Um, And Chris, you're right. When it comes to bringing people that are unfamiliar with the market up to the Canadian market, it's, it's difficult. And, um, with the exception of the minor league talent that would be attractive to other teams, I don't really see anybody on the current major league roster, like prior to September, um, that um, Atkins and Shapiro would be willing to trade um, that would acquire um, any interest, really. So, and this is a team that has played abysmal, so I don't really see team that would any any other teams rather that would really want any of those players that the Jays would be willing to trade. So it, it's going to be extremely difficult. To, uh, to sort of, I, I don't want to say rebuild, but to to bring them back up to a, a winning record uh, with a, a brand new roster next year. It's going to be extremely difficult. And you know what? Unless they make a big splash, no matter what Rogers does in terms of what they provide to the team in terms of resources, it's not going to be enough. There's still going to be that big, giant corporation that overcharges for their internet and their phone and all that other stuff. The irony in those words is not lost on this listener, I can tell you that. And certainly, <laughs> when we consider that, that the team understands what a delicate relationship it is with the fans. I mean, Eric, you look at the Astros, who just clinched the AL West, first time since 2001, and the Cleveland Indians, and what they're doing now that they have Edwin with their 23 games, was it 23 games? With their 22-game winning streak. When you look at those teams and appreciate the frustration and long-time suffering fans who had to endure the rebuilds. How do you feel about those teams and what they've accomplished and what they're doing now and will be doing for many years relative to the Jays' development strategy and where it's taking them? 
that's the way to do it. You find you find young talent, you draft them, you you uh, cultivate them, you get them ready, and then from there you make trades, and then you you add free agency, and lo and behold, uh, lo and behold, you got you got some playoff teams. Um, you know they can. You know, here in Toronto, we had an example with the Leafs where Brandon Shanahan and Lou Lamarillo went to the public and said, you know what, there's going to be pain, but mm-hmm. it's going to pay off in the end. And and perhaps it could be argued that the pain was shorter than we expected. Um, but, you know, as a baseball fan and as a Blue Jays fan and as someone who's going to go to the game and follow them regardless of whether they're in the basement or, or at the top of the league in the division, um, you know, I'm I'm okay if there's going to be some lean season. Um you know, it's going to be hard to sell that. It is definitely going to be hard to sell that. But, it, you know, we saw the Leafs be, be able to do it, and people were okay with it. So, you know, there is precedent in the city for it. Yeah, and I kind of look at the roster in a different way myself. But, it's you know, I agree with you. I, I would be okay with lean years if it, if it leads to uh, a championship contender as well. But, I you know, I feel like a bit of a broken record from having talked about this in the last month or so. But, I really feel like the front office has to take advantage of the window uh, that they've got. Marcus Stroman, the Roberto Osuna, Aaron Sanchez, if we can stay healthy. we got three more years of those guys. And, you know, it's kind of an awkward timing because the Vladimir Guerrero juniors and the Boba Chets are probably a couple years away yet. So you're kind of it's, you're in a position where, you know, it'd be awesome if they all kind of were on the roster at the same time, and it's not that simple. So... To me, I feel like the front office owes it to the fans the way that they've, you know, they've come out this year to try and at least put a competitive team on the field next year, especially while they've got those three arms in tow. Um, you know, and in theory, if everybody stays healthy next year, clearly that's a big if. They could be a, at least a contender, um, but I, I think that they definitely need to add, well, at least at least a rotation arm, at least one, and uh, you know, and an outfielder would be great as well. I would definitely agree with adding the rotation arm. That's like the the biggest wish list for me. Uh, the, the, sorry, the number one thing on the wish list for me in terms of acquisitions for the Jays. But I, I just I'm not sure that they're going to be able to find a guy or a guy would be willing to sign with them that are that will make a difference in terms of the rotation. Um, you have players on the on the mound like Biagini, and if they're serious about stretching him out and making him a starter again next year to me that's that's already a step in the wrong direction um that's me personally a lot of people yeah a lot of people do like the aspect of you know having him go through growing pains or what have you but it's for me it's just it's not something that's working out and he was much more effective in the bullpen and i'm uh if it's not broke you know don't fix it kind of guy he was uh he was a starter in the san francisco system and you know Having with that in mind, there's a reason why he was not protected in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, precisely. And I, you know, I view him as a guy that would be a fine rotation piece in a rebuilding year. But if the Jays want to contend next year, I don't think it's fair to him or to the fan base to allow him to go through growing pains when the team's trying to, you know, be in the playoff picture. I guess it all depends on what their philosophy for 2018 is really going to be, and I guess we'll find out a lot this offseason for sure. I think we can all agree that this team is somewhat stuck out of time because what we've done is isolated that there are three groups or three waves of, uh, of this Blue Jays team, which is its genesis. You have the existing veterans that are under contract that are not going to be moved because, quite frankly, no one wants them. 
um, whether you're looking at Tulowitzki or you're looking at Martin or you're considering signing Josh Donaldson, which we'll get into in a second. Then you've got a second group of controllable players that are here until 2021 that we've talked about on the show many times before, like Aaron Sanchez, Roberto Asuna, um, Marcus Stroman, and Devin Travis, if he can find a way to stay healthy. And then finally, in 2019, we're expecting the next wave of youth. And so nothing is really aligned. And if anything, Adam, aren't you worried that this might create several years of just mediocre baseball waiting for certain prospects to pan out and realizing that we're holding on to players who are regressing and are no longer capable of, of achieving the kinds of dignified splits which are supposed to make for a competitive AL East contender? Absolutely. Um, that That's one of my biggest gripes when it comes to this team is that you do have these sort of like too little, too late, or wrong place, wrong time situations when it comes to their players, um, which is why, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too much. I don't, I don't know if this is on par with the subject, but which is why like to get things aligned, to get things sort of like in, a, in the straight and narrow, it might be in the Blue Jays' benefit to trade someone like a Josh Donaldson or maybe even, dare I say, like an Aaron Sanchez, to acquire talent to make sure that every the pieces are in place for a time like 2019 with Bo Bichette or Vlad Guerrero. So we that gives the fans some something sort of to look forward to and having the understanding that, yes, there's going to be some down years, but we have something coming up the pipeline that will blow your mind, that will bring back the days of old for the Blue Jays. I completely agree, and I think there's there's basically two choices on the table. You either tear it down and build for that time when that next wave comes, or you you sincerely and and like seriously invest in the team and product to bridge that gap. And I think the number one thing you do in that case is you be extending Josh Donaldson. And if you're not going to do, and I think he really is the key to all of this. If you're not able to, or you're not going to extend Josh Donaldson, then I don't see that this team is a serious contender at all. Um, so it's going to be a very crucial off season. And I mean, the guy's trade value couldn't be any higher than it is right now. So we'll, uh, it's, uh, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. I think we can all agree that a rebuild is necessary and it is going to happen. Uh, however, I think we can also agree that there is definitely a strong possibility that, that the front office can say, you know what, we can afford to put it off for at least one more season and just retool. But I guess my question is, how do you go about retooling without moving players that would uh, give this sort of sense to the fan base that, okay, we're not going to compete? Like, I'm not sure you can have it both ways. I'm not sure you can say, hey, we're competing, but we're also retooling at the same time. And that's sort of the narrative that they tried to to um, offer us this year, and it, it, it clearly didn't work. And clearly at this point, maybe even earlier, no one was really buying it. So I'm just, I'm not sure how you can have a retool and a competitive team at the same time. Well, perhaps they're going to go into Alex Anthopoulos' book and take a page out of that one and kind of look for, you know, players that uh, maybe are kind of low on a totem pole with, with other teams and, you know, throw a little money their way and pay, do a little gamble and see if things work out. And I don't have a lot of faith in the health of the roster for the guys that struggled this year. You know, like Tulowitzki, I've been a fan of for a long time, but I would not put any, I wouldn't put a dollar on him playing 100 games next year. And I think if the team could stay healthy, then it's worthwhile investing in some veterans. You know, like there was an article that came out on FanRag uh, today that's talking about how the 
Braves are looking to dump either Nick Markakis or Matt Kemp. And I kind of felt like Markakis was a guy, a veteran guy that could fit with the roster. So, I mean, if, if they're looking for like a little retool or something like that, I mean, if they're willing to take all of his salary on, maybe he's somebody that could fill in in the corner outfield next year and at least help with the OBP department because that's been just future this year. But I, I agree with you guys. I think, um, you know, if I were if I were at the helm, I would be looking a little bit further ahead than just trying to patch some holes. Yeah, and I, I guess the one thing that I was I was trying to um, to illustrate here is that I don't like this lukewarm kind of way. I don't like the hey, we're we're trying to do both. Either you have to do one or you have to do the other. Either you go all in and try to compete or you go a full rebuild retool. I just I can't think of a team that has tried to stay in the middle and it was successful. The only one that I that comes to mind immediately for me is the Yankees, but they were and like a recent example and but that you know, they were relying on guys like Gary Sanchez and you know, some of these like Starling Castro had a huge comeback year and you know, they got Aaron Judge. So I think you you know, we could be looking at a scenario where we could do this in a year or two if we were right. relying on some of these young young guys. But right now, I agree, it, it doesn't feel like this is a roster that's set up for that at the, in the current moment. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees, they're, they're a total, I mean, they're completely on a different spectrum when it comes to ownership and money. Uh, so I definitely agree with you guys. I mean, you're right, you can have it one way or the other, but, you know, I, I get the sense that they're going to try. And I think that, again, it comes back to the devil in the details, right? We need We need to understand exactly whether or not this team is serious about competing or simply marketing what we think is a competitive ball club. And fans are savvy. Fans appreciate that over the course of a baseball season, they'll learn to appreciate what a player is really all about. And one player right now that's being roasted over the coals is Kendris Morales, a player that was brought in with a great deal of healthy rose-colored enthusiasm about what he would do in a in a homer-friendly Rogers Center, and has proceeded to have the kind of year where we couldn't even get value at $11 million a year. And so instead of a team saying to itself, we're going to invest and pay Edwin what he wants, we're going to give Dexter maybe a couple of extra million dollars to get him here, they went with option B. And so, Chris, for you to say that the key is money, the key is investment, is absolutely accurate. If this team is willing to spend $170, $175 million next year, take the freed-up salary, Chris, could you see them finding the parts either through trades, through free agency, and still being able to do this without Josh Donaldson? Because Josh Donaldson has a better OPS in the second half of this year than he had during his MVP season. So to me, doesn't it make sense at this stage to simply decide that you're going to gold for the long run with this player through to the 2021 window or why not do what Billy Bean did which is sell what you think is in this case really really high and get a treasure trove for it yeah and you know going back I think you, you do have to go one way or the other I don't I do not think that this roster can be competitive without Josh Donaldson not in 2018 if they're going to be a, con- a contending team he has to be the guy that leads the roster and because frankly I mean looking at the rest of it you know, there's some talented players and some talented pieces, but there's not that guy that that will hit those big home runs and those big moments, or that will, you know, that inti- you know, that changes the dynamic of the entire lineup. I, I just don't think that they can do it without him. So, I, I, again, I would reiterate, I just think he's the key to how they approach the next two to three seasons. If they 
decide that they want to get a get as many prospects as they can. You know, they look at the, what the, the White Sox did with the, a bunch of their guys. You know, I wouldn't mind that approach if they if they got that kind of return for somebody like that. Um, you know, that would be fine by me. But I, I just don't think this team is set up to compete without them. And I would agree. I I, I think that the time is right to uh, well, not necessarily right now, but sometime during the off season to to move Josh Donaldson, as I said. Previously, I'm a big uh, proponent for that because, like, I mean, how old is he right now? He's 31 years old, and when next year he'll be 32, and when he approaches free agency, he'll be at the tail end of 32. I think he turns 33 of free agency, rather, in, two, um, in December. So depending on when he signs, you could be talking about a 33-year-old free agent. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with extending him into the long haul into his late 30s. I, I, for me, it's just the Rogers Center is a, is a recipe for a disaster when it comes to people playing on that turf. And with Vladimir Guerrero coming up, you have someone to take over the third base um, mantle. So to, to, all I really want the Blue Jays to do is to pick a direction. Like, and even if they say, hey, look, we're, we're blowing it up. We're going to do this. We're going to sell and get as much talent back as possible for the future years, I'd, I'd be okay with that. That doesn't disappoint me. That doesn't make me feel bad because, to me, that's just like, that's what you do. If it doesn't work out, you have to find a way to be competitive, and this is built into the system to become competitive. But just, like, call it what it is. Take a direction and stick with it. And I think people, if, if they see that the, at least the front office and the entire organization is confident in that direction, I think people will trust that process, not to use, like, the cliche. So, Adam, flash forward to 2018. It's June. The team is struggling because, once again, this front office has decided to take a very cautionary approach to its investment strategy. The payroll is, let's say, $165 million. They're 10 games under 500, and players are once again struggling with injuries are you concerned that fans will simply throw their hands up and say, you know what, it's back to 15000 in August again? Uh, I, I'm not so much concerned as I just assume that will happen. And for me, what you describe is, is the, the recipe for a lukewarm approach, an approach of, hey, we're going to try to compete and kind of not at the same time. And this is exactly why you can't have it both ways. Because if you try to sell a fan base, as loyal as Toronto, um, specifically with the past two years, um, obviously excluding this one, um, and how much this team has become so ingrained in the culture in Toronto, um, you, you have to pick a direction. You, you have to be honest with your fans, and you have to go pick one direction. You have to go one way or the other. And the, the problem with going lukewarm is that you're going to have these moments where you're going to fall flat and you're going to not be able to keep up with teams like Boston, teams like New York, even teams like, especially teams like Cleveland. Like you have to stick to a strategy that's either one way or the other, all in or not. And at this point, they sort of owe it to their fans to, to have a direction, to, have, to be honest, to be open, and I don't think – I think this year it was sort of like, okay, well, you know, we had some injuries, like it happened. But to have that happen two years in a row, that's a tough sell for your franchise. That's a tough sell for your fan base. Because uh, when that happens again next year, and I 
you know, we can pretty much bank on that at will with uh, players like Tula Whiskey or, or Russell Martin or both. Um, players, I mean, fans are just going to say, well, why don't you just get rid of them? Why don't you trade them? Some obviously irrationally, but it's it's going to become way more frustrating for the people that Rodgers relies on to spend money. So they have to pick a direction. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, I would agree with Adam. I mean, uh, if they're upfront and honest, you know, they'll still have some support. But as Adam perfectly said, it's going to happen. If the team's not performing well, the attendance is going to go down. That's just that's just how things are here when it comes to baseball in Toronto. It's not like the Leafs where they're always going to have a decent-sized crowd regardless of where they are in the standings. Um, and, you know, even though the Jays do have deep roots in the community, uh, it's not like they're the Cubs where people are still going to go when they're, you know, when they were the lovable losers. And, of course, now that's not the case. Um, you know what? I remember back in 2010... Um, and I'm, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly where I heard it from, but it, even though the, you know, there were 10,000 people, 15,000 people going to the game, people were still watching the games on TV. So there was still an interest, there was still loyalty, but people just weren't interested in spending some extra money and going down to the game. So people are going to still be interested in the team, and, and you know, regardless of, of what's going to happen, it's just you know, if they want to get more people, they just have to put a winner on the field. And, uh, you know, as Adam said, you got to pick a route to do it, even though it seems like they're going to sort of try to uh, at least keep that window, try to prop that window of opportunity open for at least one more season. Yeah, I think, I think the fan base was willing to accept this season, you know, after two consecutive playoff appearances. I think we're, the majority of us were willing to look at it and go, well, yeah, there was a ton of injuries, and, that, you know, that's the number one culprit. We lost Sanchez and Tulo and Martin and, uh, you know, Jay half for good chunks of the year. But as you guys said, when that happens for a second year in a row, suddenly your faith in your veteran roster's ability to stay healthy goes out the window. You know, I'll, I'll even, you know, if they do a little retool and they come back in with, you know, the same kind of veteran roster that they're looking at right now, I'll start the season with a cautious optimism. But, I mean, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't put my money on it. And I guess my, my fear when it comes to this, these um, these injury-prone players such as Tulowitzki and Martin, and not to, like, bring it back. I don't want to, like, beat this horse to death, but, like, this is what I'm exactly what I'm worrying about with when it comes to Josh Donaldson. Not that he has a long injury history, but, like, it seems to me that it's, like, I don't know, maybe call it Blue Jays luck, call it, like, you know, just my irrationalities when it comes to the team, but it's it's sort of like, okay, you're trending downward now when it comes to injuries, and we should really strike while the iron's hot. And for me, it's just sort of, I don't want to see Josh Donaldson deteriorate on this team. I, it, it's sort of like watching Jose Bautista this year. It's just like, it, it, it's a cool send-off. It's great that we had him for one last year, but it's, it, I would, I, I don't know. I kind of would have rather not see yeah. him, him play the way he is right now. It's just sort of like a gut punch. Yeah, I agree, and I think Donaldson, you know, as much as I, I do, you know, I've been a proponent of, of extending him, and I think and at various different times, the one injury that has been cropping up for him over and over again is that bulky calf, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I, I, I always question how big of a deal the turf is for these guys, but the more that it happens, the more I have to maybe just accept that it is an issue. You know, Tulewitzki has 
hasn't been able to stay on the field. Devin Travis hasn't been able to stay on the field. And, you know, part of that is just their own bodies and luck and all that sort of thing. But but there's no denying that uh, aging veterans that are infielders in particular have had a tough time staying healthy in Toronto. Yeah, Colby Rasmus said it best. When he played here, he always said it was like running up and down a basketball court. Yeah, well, and I remember Brett Lowry. I remember Brett Lowry being very critical of it as well. And just he sent out a tweet after he was traded to Oakland, and he said something to the effect yeah. of like, oh, my career – my career just got extended by five years or something. And, so, you know, <laughs> and he's not even I, playing. <laughs> ironically enough, it got shortened very quickly. But, no, but, you, you know, there is something to be said for that, I guess, as well, when you're considering contracts for these veterans, too. Yeah, Ari, I'm surprised Brett Laurie hasn't reached out to you to be part of these roundtables since he's not really <laughs> doing much these days, right? Well, you know, I, I tend to take a lot of his quotes and Colby Rasmus uh, with a grain of salt. Uh, these are players who not only were jettisoned out of town for underachievement, but also brought out a lot of cultural elements that we can all agree were an impediment to winning. I mean, that was the one great thing that the 2015, 2015 team represented was Anthopolis and Beeston recognizing how do we improve the clubhouse, um, it, it, how do we include the clubhouse chemistry, and more importantly, how do we get the right parts that we need all going for going for gold, if you will, at the same time, keeping their eyes on the prize. And I, I fear that with that window now over, that 15 opened up for all intents and purposes, the fans really don't know what to think. And so I, I want listeners who are enjoying this roundtable on tonight's episode to understand that this isn't about simply reflecting with a measure of skepticism or in some cases cynicism, but having some faith that if this season of attendance and popularity has demonstrated anything, it's that Blue Jays fans all over the country and across North America, the thousands who show up to the various different ballparks down south, and of course the 40,000 that pack out the Sky Dome each and every night understand that there's a real opportunity to capture the city's imagination by investing in the team and making the right kinds of personnel moves to create depth. I don't think fans can stomach another year with these types of shenanigans and hijinks, and I'm sure that the front office is loath to test their patience when there will be other exciting things in the city, whether it's Maple Leafs or Raptors or TFC. There's a lot of cool things going on. So competing for those dollars, if there's one company we can be fortunate that owns the Blue Jays in times of media competition, it's Rogers and, and Sportsnet. So we'll definitely, definitely see what happens down the road, gentlemen. It was an absolute pleasure. Let's go around the table, starting with Eric and then Adam and Chris. Tell me what you're up to and where my listening audience can find you on social media. Yeah, you can find my website. It's definitely not Jay's Talk, and that's dnjt.wordpress.com. I just posted an article a couple days ago, uh, part of what I call the Retro Blue Jays series, where I just kind of find cool stuff on YouTube. Uh, Back in the 80s, Ontario Hydro and the Blue Jays did a couple of commercials promoting the uh, uh, hot water supply at Exhibition Stadium. So it's definitely worth checking (laughs) out, and you get to see see (laughs) Jimmy... You get to see Jimmy Key in the shower, so there you go. You can find my work at southofthesix.com, and you can spell six, uh, the number six IX, like all the cool uh, hipster kids spell it in Toronto. Um, <laughs> I, run a, I run a podcast, South of the Six podcast. Um, I talk Blue Jays and Raptors, and with Raptors seri- uh, season rearing up, um, there's going to be a, uh, a sort of um, a reflection of the offseason and a preview of what's to come. And when it comes to the Blue Jays, um, 
you know, now that we're in sort of purgatory when it comes to the team, uh, the goal is to just have a reflection of what we've learned and uh, sort of uh, we should uh, learn to temper our expectations, uh, if anything mm-hmm. has taught us, in 2017. And uh, also, I... I, I uh, I'm pretty sure, Ari, um, you're going to be on the podcast soon, and so you guys can look forward to hearing that, too. As long as it happens before a Blue Jays game, because I don't know if I can handle <laughs> it after. Not this year. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and I'll bring up the rear here. You can find my work at uh, jaysjournal.com, and we have a great stable of writers over there, including Ari Shapiro as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Baseball4Brains. The four is the number four. Uh, and I just posted an article earlier today, uh, you know, ironically enough, with the conversation we've had, um, just talking about whether or not uh, the Blue Jays should look at extending Marcus Stroman, which I do think is a good idea, regardless of whichever path they take. Um, so, yeah, you can check us out there. And uh, there's always there's at least a couple of articles that go up on the site every day. So, Three brilliant baseball minds on this afternoon's Jays Journal Roundtable. You've been listening to Chris Henderson, site expert from Jay's Journal, Adam Corsair, podcaster and host of South of the Six, and Eric Rosenheck, writer and blogger from Definitely Not Jay's Talk. Gentlemen, it's been a slice. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thanks, my friend.